But if you're going to spend a lot of time with someone, your energy is going to be absorbed and transferred. So you just want to make sure that that person is not a weight. They are a wing. They actually are lifting you, giving you air, giving you flight. If they're a weight, you have to reconfigure your, your situation and your environment so that you make it more fruitful for you to grow. What is up, everyone? This is Thrive Five, and I'm your host, Clarice Metzger, a storyteller and strategist at Thrive Global. In every episode of this podcast, we talk to women about how they thrive in this world and explore the crucial link between self-care and confidence. We hear stories of women who went from surviving to thriving and learn tips for boosting our well-being so we can unlock more resilience and joy within ourselves. This week, I'm talking to fashion expert and Emmy award-winning TV host, Jeannie Mai, about having tough conversations with people you love, post-breakup struggles, and opening yourself up to new relationships. Let's dive on in. So Jeannie, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course, super excited to chat with you today. Me too. So I know a ton of people know you from the red carpet or hosting on The Real and as of late, Dancing with the Stars, which is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) But I'd be super curious what Jeannie Mai was like back in the day before you got to Hollywood. You know, I grew up in a house that had 15 people in a three-bedroom home. When my mom and dad were steady in their jobs, they sponsored the rest of the family over that weren't able to escape like they did from Vietnam. And my house was filled with Vietnamese cooking, the smell of pho and ban chang and all these amazing dishes. I always had a couple of languages going on, whether it was Vietnamese, obviously, English, because my aunts were learning English besides myself, and Spanish either from Sesame Street and my neighbors. So I just really love growing up in a multicultural setting. And I really think I became a host because I was always hosting situations in my house. I was hosting what my Mm. grandma was cooking and sharing it with the rest of the family so that we'd get excited by dinner. Or I was getting my aunts to teach the room what words they learned in De Anza College. So there was always, you know, some type of conductor work on my side. So I'm not surprised that I'm hosting today. That is amazing. And shout out to being a first generation. Same here. My parents are from Sierra Leone. Mm, yes. It's such a homegrown understanding where your parents weren't just born as if they've arrived. There was struggle. There was strife. There was leaving things behind. There was humility. There was starting over. There was empathy to other people in their same conditions. The life of an immigrant is something that's very heroic to me. So I always love learning other immigrant stories. And it's the reason why America is so beautiful because of people like your parents and mine. I could not, could not agree more. And speaking on that, we do talk a lot on this podcast about that. And like I said, what we learn from these struggles, how we become the people we are today. So I know that you've been open about your divorce from your first husband and your newfound love with your fiance, Jeezy. Congrats, by the way. Thank you. Um, And I bet being married and going through a divorce was painful, but also led to a lot of growth. So what do you think you took out of that experience and how has it made you a stronger person and partner today? I took the celebration of having my voice. I never, I never found my voice. I've always had a voice. But I used to be really uncomfortable with telling people how I feel or mm. making someone else feel uncomfortable 
for myself. And I say mm. this because I think that if I had a much more firm voice back then, I wouldn't have gotten married at the time mm -hmm. that I was proposed to. When I really just didn't listen to that gut instinct that is always sitting there being like, I told you, girl, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. So I'm also really picking that young girl up and that young voice up and brushing her off and holding her because I think that voice was subdued from my child abuse. Um, I was molested at a young age and this deeply scarred me in more mm -hmm. ways than I can understand. I think I'll constantly be discovering new ways that that has affected me. But yeah. self-awareness is key to me. It's it's my, my, I feel like it's my magic sword. It can right. slice through anything. It can cut through anything. It can sever anything that I don't need or is not purposeful in my life. So being able to listen to my feelings, embrace what I'm going through, and to learn what happens when you've been traumatized at a young age and how can it kind of trickle down to these other emotions and other issues that you may have. I mean, that yeah. that that is the magic of being able to blossom. So you mentioned your trauma and thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing that story with us. Sure. For listeners who maybe are following you for the first time, you've been open about your trauma in the past of being molested when you were nine years old by a family member who babysat you. And it led to estrangement with your mother, Mama Mai, someone who is on your YouTube channel all the time now. So you both are so, so sweet together, but I know it was hard work to get to where your relationship is now. So yes. can you tell us how you were able to repair it? I believe in my life, my secret power has been to own the things I hide before the things I hide own me. That's a mm. big, big philosophy to life for me. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I was hiding for a long time was my disappointment in my mom not being there for me when I was abused when I was younger. And yeah. that turned into an over-independence, a rebellion. I've got different tattoos mm -hmm. on my body. I'm sure that I went through to be like, I don't need you and I don't need to listen to anybody else. So for me, I found myself continuously visiting this anger I had at my mom for not being there for me. So I confronted her because I wanted us to own the stuff that we hide, which is yep. that conversation. And I actually had that conversation publicly on my YouTube. I have a YouTube series called Hello Hanei. And in that, if you look for the video, why I separated from my mom for eight years, that's where I confront my mom. But the great thing is that it brought us closer together and it brought me an understanding. At the end of the day, empathy is always going to help you grow more for yourself and hopefully grow the relationship you're empathizing with. So that was a big, important step for my mom and I having that conversation in order to help build that relationship, that's super powerful. So I love the relationship that you share with us uh, on your you. YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah, she's a lot of fun. I, I think the whole reason why I'm even sitting here in the USA and not having been sent back to Vietnam yet is because I continue making her proud. Trust, when the day comes that I made Mama Mai mad, I ain't going to be here, guys. You are speaking to the daughter of immigrants. I, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with fashion expert and TV host, Jeannie Mai. So something we're discussing a lot on the show is that we're experiencing these two pandemics right now, COVID-19 okay. and systemic racism. 
I know that you have spoken out about xenophobia in the early days of the pandemic, and you've also been protesting. So what do you believe people should know or take away from this moment that we're all in and experiencing? I think 2020 is a reminder that you don't always have to speak. This is also a time for you to just sit back and listen. Listen to Mm. each other. Mm -hmm. Listen to the experiences of other people. Listen and learn the things that you didn't learn in high school. And that said, I'm also having a very reflective moment of learning what is it, Jeannie, that you really stand for and how are you going to do something about that? And like I said, Mm -hmm. the first step is not to go out there and make a bunch of noise or to go banging down doors. No, my first step is to sit back and listen. As a Vietnamese child of immigrant parents, as a woman in an interracial relationship, Mm -hmm. and as a woman who happens to be a public figure, I have so many things to learn, and yet I have so much privilege that I need to understand. And I believe that when you understand your privilege as a tool, you begin to harness your power. Snaps. (laughs) That, like... Yes. And it's so interesting that you say that as a black woman during this time, I have been really cognizant of kind of navigating that place of privilege yet oppression, because the fact of the matter is I, my parents are immigrants, but they brought us up in a household filled with love. And we were able to really build this life for ourselves because of my parents. So really navigating that place where like, okay, I am in a position of some privilege, but also oppression. How can I use this as a tool for change? So couldn't agree more. Love that you said that listening right now is key. Um, something else that's super important right now and what we talk about at Thrive a lot is giving and how that is a form of self-care and something that I've actively been working on is being more intentional about giving, whether that's with my time or my skills or my money. But you have been volunteering and have been open about the experience in general. So what has volunteering given you personally? You know, our free time is usually reserved for scrolling on the gram or, yep, yep. you know, going out brunching and rosé all day or whatever it is that we do. There's nothing (laughs) wrong with it. But our initial thing isn't to say, oh, let's go and actually find some elders that maybe need some help grocery shopping and let me help them out. Yep. Again, could not agree more. And I'm curious as to know, what are you actually doing right now? How are you giving back? Yeah. For me, I'm a huge advocate against human trafficking. Human trafficking has now become the second largest form of criminal enterprise. And it's crazy that the majority of victims behind human and sex trafficking are women and Mm -hmm. children. So I've joined an amazing group called the Sadiatin Retreat, where these two phenomenal female filmmakers have taken it upon themselves to execute their second documentary called Stopping Traffic. And I'm joining on board as executive producer. So in this journey, not only do we reach out, touch, learn, listen to victims across the world from Budapest to the Philippines to Houston. But we also find ways to educate the average person on how they can understand the life of trafficking, why it happens in your own neighborhood, and what kind of support we need to give to victims because there's only 2% of victims that survive. And out of that 2%, there's rarely any support that really offers the physical, the mental, the therapeutical needs to rehabilitate yourself to be a force in this world. Congratulations. That's really awesome. Thank Um, you. And powerful work that you're doing overall. 
I'm really curious, like, what got you invested in human trafficking? Why was that something that you decided to kind of learn more about and really work to change? Yeah, I think the passion starts from having my own voice robbed at one point. You know, when you are victimized at nine years old, it takes a long time to recognize it happened to you, own the truth behind it, and do the work. I'm doing it now. So women out there that are manipulated, coerced, used against their will, I, I, I feel for them. It's just innate in me. I can look into a woman's eyes and I remember what that feels like. I, mm-hmm. I know it. There are so many causes and so many groups of people and animals in need out there, but I believe that I'll be most productive if I choose the one that I can feel from. So my work is not done and I need a lot more help around me because it's all around us. And I think channeling that energy, what you're saying, you know, realizing something that had happened to you, rechanneling that into something for good and working towards the change that you want to see is yeah. something that we all can be working towards in our own specific yes. realms, whatever that looks like. Yes. Uh, so speaking to that, the video with your mom on your YouTube channel where you discuss your estrangement and your experience, I think is your most viewed video. So why was it important to share your story and what was it like? It was important to share my story because I don't know about everybody else, but in my culture, when jacked up things happen to you, you don't talk about it. It is shameful and disgraceful to out your family. So the reason why I wanted to say something is because I was 40 at the time when I confronted my mom. It took me 30 years to get that together. That was 30 years of my life, my relationships, my own depression, my own time being taken from me because of other people's negligence. So confronting my mom was not just for her. It was actually very little about her. It was about me rectifying and and correcting myself, but also giving some people out there a a scope into what it looks like to confront somebody you love. Yes. That's obviously such a hard conversation to have, but it leads to healing, like you said. So What advice do you have for people who really want to have a conversation like that but are scared? I encourage that person to look forward to getting all of this off their chest and saying whatever Mm -hmm. it is that this person needs to hear. I would walk into sitting down with this person by letting them know, hey, I want to talk to you about something. And it's something I would really just would appreciate if you just sat and listened. And the reason why I'm taking this time to talk to you about it is because I value our relationship. And this means a lot to me to get this off my chest. If that person cares about you, then they will sit and listen. And that already is their consent. That already is them saying, I want to hear what you have to get off your chest. I am going to be here for you. If they don't want to listen, then you've got your answer. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with fashion expert and TV host, Jeannie Mai. So you've been really candid with your fans overall. And I think at least from my perspective in our, you know, few minutes chatting, like you just seem like such a real person that Uh, I can even personally relate to. So I know this is shifting gears a bit, but for example, you've talked a lot about your divorce and how it's impacted you. And I think a lot of people can relate in the sense that after a breakup, they might feel insecure physically, mentally, emotionally. So how did you feel after your split and how did you work through those feelings? 
I hate to say it, you guys are really going to think this is cliche because it sounds like it is, but I did a lot of damn self-love. And self-love doesn't come in the form of spas and sit in silence and hear yourself think, but it does require you to be patient and to be open to having a conversation with yourself. And that conversation might be, what the hell are you doing? So as soon as you figure out what it is that you want to change, get that all out of your system. And then start to ask, how do I want to see the situation different? What am I willing to do? What am I willing to lose? What am I going to work to gain? These are real questions that you have with yourself. And it's what I had coming out of divorce that I learned to like me. I, I, I really went through so many transformations. I gained 20 pounds. I learned that I was malnutritioning myself. I had some low-key eating disorders. So it took, you know, that self-awakening to see that. Then I realized that I had a weird filter for men. I, I, I really realized that I started liking myself so much that I didn't even really, it wasn't about finding the right guy. It was about being the right woman and being the right person for me. And what's crazy is when you are the right person that you can attract your own self from across the room, things start to happen and they start coming. So whether or not you choose to date, whether or not you choose to take up on that is your thing, but at least you have options because you know you deserve it and you worked for that. And you know what you just touched on that I also love is that self-talk. And like, you know, sure you have those rough moments and you have those thoughts, but don't let that be the end of it. Make sure that you kind of come back out of that and talk to yourself the way that you would your friend because you would not talk to her crazy. So don't talk to yourself crazy. Right, exactly. (laughs) Um, So you also just touched upon this, but having that realization with your own body and like realizing that you weren't engaging in some healthy habits, which is a really big conversation to be openly having, especially in Hollywood. So how did you shift the way that you viewed your own body? I really started to learn that stronger is the new sexy. It's not about Mm. being sexy. It's not about wearing cutouts. It's not about showing as much skin. When you're stronger, you just physically feel capable of anything. And once I started heavy lifting, I really, I just felt so empowered about seeing the changes in my body, even it's like a tiny little muscle that I, I worked for that. I did that myself and I never had that before. Yep. Speaking on those small muscles popping out, I have been working my Michelle Obama arms all quarantine. So oh, I feel yes, that very, yes. <laughs> very proud of my little muscles. Um, but for women struggling with those same issues, what advice would you give them to get on that road to self-love and really feeling confident about the body they're in? I would say number one, start listening more to yourself whether it's, I'm tired, well then go fix your schedule so that you can get more sleep. For me, I know that I'll get to breaking points where I work so much, I start to fall off on things. I'm close to it right now, just from dancing with the stars and so much work. But then I've got to stop and make those adjustments. You know, it might be telling your husband, hey, when I get home from work, I'm not nice and I don't even like me. Just give me 30 minutes of silence. Yep. Don't be weirded out if I go in my room and I just close the door and sit with my face down in a pillow. It's going to be okay. <laughs> like say these things. Own the stuff you yeah. hide before the stuff you hide owns you. Yep. You also just gave a perfect segue to my next question, uh, talking about listening to yourself, to to what you need and making sure you actually make room for that. So part of that is also setting boundaries, you know, saying no to plans, turning off your phone, stop scrolling on Insta, all that, right, and right. really just taking that time for yourself. So what are some ways you prioritize disconnecting and recharging? I prioritize disconnecting by surrounding myself with people who also enjoy to do so. My fiance would be one of them. I'm so thankful for him because he loves that downtime. 
and it's just us. It could be us on our phones. It could also be us just sitting in silence. But if you're going to spend a lot of time with someone, your energy is going to be absorbed and transferred. So you just want to make sure that that person is not a weight. They are a wing. They actually are Mm. lifting you, giving you air, giving you flight. If they're a weight, you have to reconfigure your, your situation and your environment so that you make it more fruitful for you to grow. Yep. Absolutely could not agree more. So Jeannie, I'm going to ask you your Thrive Five, which are five rapid fire questions. I just want you to answer with the first thing that comes to mind. No thought. Okay. <laughs> well, little thought. Um, okay. First, what's the worst advice you've ever gotten? The worst advice I've ever gotten is to be fearless. It's impossible to be fearless. We have fears. We have doubts. We have confusion about things. However you quantify a fear, I don't think that you should feel like they're not there and just treat yourself like superwoman and ignore them by being quote unquote fearless because you're not acknowledging your feelings. And as we know, facing fear is really where achievement and success happens. Yep. Amen to that. So what's a mantra that has changed your perspective? The last thing I've read that changed my perspective is when a flower doesn't bloom, do you blame the flower or its environment? Meaning when a flower doesn't bloom, are we literally picking out the flower and throwing it away or are we checking the soil? Are we looking at what's watering it? Are we looking at the nutrients we're feeding it? Are we looking at the rocks and the pebbles that are in its way of growing fresh vines? Our environment could be standing in the way of our personal growth. That is worth writing down. Uh, What is a self-care practice you do when you're trying to tap into your body? A self-care practice I do when I'm trying to tap into my body is sleeping. I used to be that girl that would sleep three to four hours a day and be popping. I'm a Capricorn and I'm full sense of the word, just really driven workhorse. But actually my body is tired and not happy when I do that. I wore myself down. And so now I've gotten to a place where I really love trying to get eight hours of sleep. I'll go to bed at nine you know, to try Mm -hmm. again, try. Yep. Who is someone you're following on social media right now who is making you feel hopeful about the world? I really like Matthew Hussey. Matthew Hussey is a relationship expert and he very much empowers women through the avenue of dating, whether you're dating Mm. or not, just has great things to say to kind of clear your mind and let you hear more of what you deserve. And lastly, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received and from who? this is so stupid, but it applies to me, is don't treat yourself like free salsa when you've always been guac. I say that because I'm the girl who loved free salsa when I go to like (laughs) Mexican restaurants or whatever. Free salsa, it's free. But when you have free salsa, you really don't eat all the salsa. You just order more. You let it pile up. Yeah. (laughs) You're not really indulging in it and enjoying it. You're really just eating it because it's free. But when you get guac, you're like, okay, do I really want to order the guac? Because it's ridiculous to pay that much for avocados. (laughs) But it's something you take your time in. You know, if it came out a little weird and discolored, you'd definitely say something. If everybody ate your guac, you'd feel away because you didn't get a chip in. That's how I feel about myself. I used to give myself away like free salsa all the time. Like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll help you out, whatever you want. And I didn't get that in return, so now I've got to make sure – this sauce, this, I got to make sure this guac is getting treated right. 
<laughs> All right. Well, Jeannie, thank you so much for being on today. Of course. Thank you. Thrive Five is an iHeartRadio podcast. From iHeart, our executive producer is Carrie Lieberman. Our Thrive Global team includes producers Marina Kreckel and Margarita Bertzos. Our talent booker is Lindsay Benoit O'Connell. Special thanks to Ann Sachs and Madison Odenberg. Our production partner is Neon Hum Media. Jonathan Hirsch and Sharon Morris are the executive producers. Our lead producer is Joanna Clay. Hansdale Sue engineered this episode and composed our theme music. See y'all next week.